You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save thou. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, Almighty Savior, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together in this difficult time to encourage one another by our presence to one another and to sit together under your word. As we continue to receive of this word, O Lord, we ask that you bring us to a right understanding and that which you give us the will to do through the power of your spirit, you would give us the power to do also. And this we ask through our precious Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we have been 14 weeks in the Sermon on the Mount so far. With a couple weeks off to look at other texts, four full months. And so as we turn, moving from chapter 5 into chapter 6, I thought it would behoove us to take a quick look back over the ground we've covered so far, just to refresh our memory a little bit. Jesus begins... His sermon, by laying the... I got it. That's me doing that. (laughs) I forgot to warn you. Jesus begins his sermon by outlining for us not the path of salvation, sorry, not the path to salvation, but rather the path of salvation. He's not laying out for us how we will get saved. Do these things and you get saved. Rather, he's laying out for us Now that you are going to be having a relationship with God, with the kingdom of heaven that is right at hand in Him, through Himself, now you are called to live in a new way. This is the path of salvation. You're being saved. Now you're going to learn how to live that way. Live like people who are going to feel at home in the kingdom of heaven. And he starts by laying the foundation. Remember back how this sermon begins? Blessed are the... And blessed are the... And blessed are the... That word blessed, makarios, also means happy. So that even when we say things like blessed are those who mourn, we're not saying it's a good thing to have to mourn like pain in in itself is a good thing, but with a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, even our mourning is better than it would be without that relationship. We are blessed by God in Jesus Christ. And that is the foundation. Our union with Christ through our trust and faith in Him is the foundation upon which the path of salvation is built. And as we have that relationship, as we experience that blessing of a relationship with Him, we're going to have to start doing some things we're not accustomed to. And first and foremost is going to be to dethrone our anger. 
See, in a world that is mostly characterized by sin and brokenness, pain is going to come at us fast and furious. And the natural reaction to when someone hurts you is anger. So we're going to have to move that out of its center place in our inner life and learn how to deal with that differently. Then we're going to need to learn to deal with our, dis- our lust. We're going to need to discourage that lust. It's not to say that we're not attracted to people anymore. That's perfectly natural. We talked all about that in that sermon. But rather, we're not to be chasing after our lust and encouraging that side of our personality so that our passions come to dominate us. And that's true of all of our lusts, not just sexual. Then, we're going to focus on faithfulness in our relationships, especially our most intimate relationship with our spouse if we have one. But in all our relationships, faithful intimacy will have to begin to become the chief characteristic of our life if we want to feel like home in the kingdom of heaven. Then transparency will come next. As we begin to live in this way, we will begin to be people of our word. People who don't need to set aside special times and special ways of saying this is when I really intend to keep my promise because we tend to keep our promises all the time. Our yeses are yes and our no means no. And everyone in public or in private can know this about us. And then as for retaliation, well that gets crossed off the board. We're going to take God at His word when He says, Vengeance is mine. I will repay. And we're going to leave retaliation to God alone. Also that we can learn to do the hardest thing of all, which is love our enemies. Which means to be like Jesus. On the cross, Jesus loved his enemies. That means Christ likeness. Christ likeness. Now, this is difficult stuff. There is no doubt that this is difficult from our natural human perspective. And that's why we need to have Jesus with us every step of the way as He has promised to be. We're going to need supernatural power to live like this, like a kingdom person. And even then, it's going to be difficult because here's the reality. God does not stand unopposed. God has an enemy, and He is our enemy too. And He wants to hack us at the knees. There's danger both from without and danger within. Because our own tendency of sinfulness keeps coming back to the fore and exercising itself. And that's by far the more dangerous thing, right? Any soldier knows the most dangerous person on the battlefield is themselves. Because you're the person you have with you. The situation on the ground can change. It can be good, it can be bad, but you always have yourself with you. And the darkness within you is a powerful threat. Jesus is going to talk to us about that in this part of the sermon.
Because as we are trying to learn how to love and live from love so that we can even love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us, we have to learn the true nature of love. If you remember nothing else in this sermon, I want you to remember this part. Love means to will the good of the other. To will the good of the other. It doesn't mean to feel a particularly affectionate to them. That may or may not be the case. But it is to will their good. That's how you can love the person who's even driving nails through your hands as Jesus did. He was going to the cross for their sake. He willed their good. And this is the challenge for us. To learn how to live as Christ. This is a challenge. I'm reminded of a story of a, um, a Tibetan monk who came over to the United States to give a presentation on a college campus. Um, now, if you don't know much about Buddhism, Buddhism is a, a brilliant psychological system. The idea of Buddhism is to avoid pain, which is something most of us wish to do in life. However, you avoid pain by detaching yourself from the world, including detaching yourself from love, detaching yourself from other people. It's not just, you can't just pull back from pain, you have to pull back from everything. So it's a difficult path as well. And uh, this man was there, he was presenting about Buddhism on a college campus here in the West, and he asked this big auditorium full of people, he said, okay, so any of you here tonight, is this your first experience with Buddhism and the teachings of the Buddha? And uh, a bunch of people raised their hands and he said, you may all go to the back of the room and receive your refund if you choose. Because this is difficult, and once you set your feet on the path, there's no turning back. If you don't want to do this, I don't want to take your money. Christians need to be that honest. <laughs> because if you think it's hard to be detached from the world, try loving the world when the world is driving nails into your hands. When the world hates you and utters all kind of evil against you falsely, as Jesus said in chapter 5. Try loving the world when it's treating you like that. That's even more difficult. But that is life. If you can do that, that is life which is truly life. And it can't be taken away from you. Jesus is going to highlight as we go into chapter 6 now the dangers that are going to try and pull us off that path of salvation. And he's going to highlight two in particular. The first is going to be religiosity, showy religion. And he's going to cover three aspects of it. Today he talked about almsgiving. That was a religious practice in his day. It wasn't just something nice to do. It was part of your religious faithfulness to give alms to the poor. Prayer and fasting. He's going to cover those. And then he's also going to talk about seeking our security and money. And we're going to look at that. But to start with here, we're going to talk about the dangers of religiosity. Remember hearing this word, this phrase for the last eight weeks over and over again? Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. We kept repeating that for the last eight weeks, right? You can shake your head yes or no. It's not illegal. We're Lutherans, but we're allowed to move a little bit. That's, that was the, we kept repeating that because that was the tee-up. That was Jesus setting all of those, what we called the antitheses. You have heard it said, but I say to you. All of those were sort of squared up by, for Jesus, by Jesus in that phrase, 
about the righteousness of his people exceeding that of the, righteous, the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. In the same way, he's going to set up this ne- the dangers for us with this phrase. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now I hope that that language arrests you right where you are. You will have not some reward, not less reward, but no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Terrifying language. If we do what we do ostensibly for God, but really so that other people can see us doing it. Jesus today, in the passage we just heard, talks about this. And he says, if you do this stuff so that other people see, see you doing it, truly you have your reward. See, God is nice enough that he'll give you what you want. If what you want is the applause of other people, he'll let you have that. But if what you want is his approval, then he'll let you have that. But you have to make a choice. For whom do I do what I do? For the crowd or for Christ? We need to do what we do for God alone. If we really want the life of God to be flowing through us and out of us into the world. We have this as a gift from God in Jesus Christ. Now we need to learn how to live with that gift and not impede it by seeking other people's approval rather than that of the God who has united himself to us in Jesus Christ. Now he uses a word several times, Jesus does in this past. In this past, he's going to use it three times here. He's going to use it 17 times in the New Testament. And it's the word hypocrite. Now the word hypocrite means somebody who is a deceitful, who is, speaks with a forked tongue. But Jesus is the first person to use the word that way. When Jesus came into the world, the word hypocrite meant something like stage left or stage right. It was a theater term. These are hypocrites. Just so you know up here. The word hypocrite literally means one who wears a mask. And it was a certain group of people in a Greek play. Now, it should be painfully obvious from looking here at these masks that they could be making any kind of face underneath and we would have no idea. (laughs) Jesus is telling us to not live your spiritual life in that way. It's back to that transparency piece. It's be who you are in public, let that be who you are in private. Present to the world Not a mask, but your genuine self, because your genuine self is being transformed. That's why Christian spirituality is first and foremost always about inner transformation. And then that inner transformation leads to outward actions which are different than they would be otherwise. Don't be one of these people who's only acting for others and has a false face on, but instead Act only for the applause of God. 
back when I was in campus ministry, um, we had a lovely young couple. How uh, half the couple lived at the Luther House, and other, the other half they were getting ready to get married upon graduation, and. Um, the young lady lived in the Luther house and her fiancé uh, lived in an apartment. We got to know them quite well. Wonderful, wonderful couple. And we've stayed in touch with them over the years. Sarah um, helped lead the contemporary worship of her on-campus group. Um, and she, she wore a shirt that looked like this. It was one of her favorite t-shirts. Now hers had a guitar on it because she was a guitarist. But it said, it said hers said, playing for an audience of one. I like this. This shirt is living for an audience of one. Living for the audience of one. This is what God wants us to do because, can I tell you some, the truth? If you want life that's really life, imagine being free enough to never worry about what other people think about you. Because the only person who matters is the one for whom you're choosing your actions. And He will, in the end give you the eternal life that He's already given you as a gift through your faith and that you're learning to live from right now. And He'll be able to take your hands in His own nail-pierced hands and say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the reward you're working for. Not the applause of the people around you. Playing for an audience of one. Now, does that mean we should not give alms or pray or fast until we're positive it's only proceeding from the right motives? No. I hope that's obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway. Jesus doesn't say if you give alms or wait to give alms till you're sure that your motives are pure. He says when you give alms, assuming that that's what you're going to do because that's what people do if they're going to follow God. But what we are to do is be attentive to our motive as we engage in the acts of the Christian life. As we give alms, as we come and gather for worship, as we pray, as we fast, as we take on different spiritual disciplines, we need to constantly check our heart and say, am I doing this so that other people will notice me? And is that going to be my reward? Or am I doing it because it's the right thing to do according to my Father in Heaven and I work only for His reward? That, that is the question that is constantly to characterize our hearts and our examination of our hearts in, this, in a Christian spiritual life. Because we want to learn how to love as Jesus loves. Without inhibition, which means only for the sake of Him who doesn't need it, God. It reminds me, though, of a story I heard. I'm going to end with this. A Chinese story about a man who was, wore a mask. If you've never seen Chinese opera, this is a mask from a Chinese opera. Um, they, use, they continue to, in that tradition to use masks. Um, in this story, it revolves around a grumpy old man. Uh, this grumpy old man uh, particularly dislikes children. He's sort of the village grump. The, all the kids avoid him because he snarls at them when he's walking down the street because they're noisy and they smell and they're rowdy and they're noisy and they take too much attention and by the way, they're noisy. 
Finally, he's frustrated out of all proportion with his neighbors and their children, so he climbs the local mountain to talk to the local wise man and presents his dilemma. And the wise man listens and says, Ah, I can fix this for you. And hands him a mask. And on that mask is a big smile. And he says, Wear this whenever you walk the streets of the town. And for one year, I want you to go to the center of the town, gather by the fountain where people gather for water, and I want you to read a story to the children of the town wearing the mask. And the guy says, Are you crazy? What am I going to... They're going to make me nuts. Do you wish to have a solution to your problem or not? All right, I'll do it. So he goes and he puts the mask on and he goes to the center of the town and he, the children at first won't come near him. But he reads a story out loud. Little by little, they get a little braver and they start to, the kids inch in and they listen to the story. And underneath, he's, he's just wants to pull out his hair at all the noise and the racket and the horrible what's going on. He's like the Grinch and now the Grinch stole Christmas. But then a little child, one time he's telling a funny story and one of the children laughs. And that makes him laugh in response. And then he tells another story that's kind of fun and, and little by little he starts to find that he's enjoying these times with the children and maybe even looking forward to them. Well, finally, a whole year passes and he climbs the mountain again. And he comes back and the wise man says to him, may I have the mask back, please? But what will I do without the mask? The children will be afraid of me again. He says, take it off and find out. When he takes off the mask, he finds out that underneath, his face has come to be conformed to the mask and now he smiles when he thinks of the children. In AA circles, they call this fake it till you make it. (laughs) And this is what we're called to do. Not to give up almsgiving till we're sure it proceeds from a pure heart or worship and prayer until we're sure it proceeds from a pure heart, but to engage in it until it proceeds from a pure heart. To do the disciplines of the Christian life, but always attending to what's going on in our inner life until we do all that we do for an audience of one. He who gave himself for our sake, who loved us while we were yet his enemy. And so we can learn to love like he loves. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord Jesus, we give you thanks and praise that you have claimed us as your own that you accompany us on this spiritual journey that seems to get progressively difficult as you have taught it to us. But knowing that you are with us every step of the way by the power of your Spirit, where two or three are gathered in your name, that you strengthen us through our fellowship, through your word, through the power of your Spirit to walk this path. We pray, O Lord, that we would not be distracted or deflected from the goal of pleasing you, for whom alone we labor. We pray, O Lord, that you would teach us to listen to the 
voice you've given us in our heart through the power of the Spirit. Help us attend to the direction our heart is trending, toward you or away from you, toward others or toward you. Until finally, O oh Lord, we walk in the power of your Spirit, which is the power of your love. Our sins largely behind us, if not completely. And a blessing to all whom encounter us, for we are transparent to your purposes. This we ask through your precious and holy name, Jesus, for you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the 